1: treasures are
0: Is the American church love its lies the American church is filled with with lies who sent the delusion God did We love the lies in the American church because God has sent a great delusion upon the American church. I come terrified today. This is not a word I want to speak, but I am compelled. The lies of the American church that we hold so dear allow us to believe that we are saved in the midst of our wickedness and in the midst of our sin. I watched a worship service from this past Sunday on the YouTube. A large church, a church I have been interested in because it is a holiness Pentecostal church with thousands of members. I watched as the music team took their place and I watched as they did their performance. And it was a, a great performance. But there was no humility. There was no fear of God. It's happy, happy, clap, clap. We're okay. We're on our way to heaven. We have the victory. I shuddered. I was terrified. No, we don't have the victory. Second Thessalonians The second chapter. I'll begin reading verse ten. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Let me read that from a, a modern literal translation. I'm going to begin in this Modern translation that is literal translation. Verse seven. This is second Thessalonians two, verse seven. Indeed, the mystery of lawlessness is already working. Only there is one restraining at the present time until he may be out of the way and then will be revealed the lawless one whom the Lord will destroy by the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the manifestation of his arrival. Of those, presence is according to the working of Satan by all forces, signs, and lying wonders, and by every deception of unrighteousness in the one's perishing because they did not receive the love of the truth for them to be saved. And because of this, God will send them a powerful working of deception for them to believe the lie in order that all the ones not having believed in the truth but having delighted in unrighteousness might be judged. Verse 13, Now we ought always give thanks to God concerning you, brethren, having been loved by the Lord, because God chose you from a beginning for salvation by means of holiness, holiness from the Spirit. The problem we're facing with the American church, the problem we're all facing, <clears throat> is that we have, we have been casual and arrogant before God. We've made assumptions that because we have resources, because we have America, we're somehow privileged. And we're going to enter into the kingdom of God. Nothing could be further from the truth. It is a delusion. Now let me speak in a very forthright way with you today. John Bunyan, 1600s, was a very serious Christian. And he was confronted by the Lord. (coughs) Pardon me. This was the word of the Lord to John Bunyan. Wilt thou leave thy sins and go to heaven or have thy sins and go to hell? The lie of the American church and the delusion of the American church that we have promulgated all over the world is that you can be saved in the midst of your sin. I love some of the letters and notes that I've received in the last few days from some of you who have just said, by the grace of God, let me never sin against Jesus again. You're right. Now, I want to tell you where this incredible book, Pilgrim's Progress, begins in the story. I want to read just a few paragraphs. As I walk through the wilderness of this world, so Bunyan is recognizing that the world is not a piece of cake, but is rather a barren wilderness. That's where he's coming from. I came to a certain place where there was a cave, and I lay down in that place to sleep. That was probably the prison house that he wrote this book in. As I slept, I dreamed a dream, and in this dream I saw a man clothed in rags standing in a place with his face turned away from his own house, and he had a book in his hand and heavy burden upon his back. And I looked and saw him open the book and begin to read. And as he read, he wept and trembled. Not being able to contain himself, he cried out with a loud voice, What shall I do? It was in this condition that Christian went home. And there he tried to begin to tell his family that he had come to the conclusion by reading the scriptures that the city in which they lived would be burned with fire from heaven. And that when this was to happen, he said, all of us will be destroyed unless by a way I do not see yet some way of escape can be found so that we may be delivered. His family thought that he had lost his mind. They did not know how to respond to him. Now, please hear me. Many of you who listen to this broadcast day by day have never honestly dealt with your sin. Sin of the past, sin of the present. You have Believe the lie that you are okay and you may have had a short period of time where you repented of your sins but the peace of God never entered into your heart. You were never brought into that place of abject sorrow and fear and humility before a mighty God before a God of righteousness and holiness and if the foundation is not properly laid in our life then what we build on that foundation will be faulty and will collapse on us all truth must be based on a foundation of truth. And the truth is, we were born sinners. We can't sugarcoat that. We serve a God who is holy, who is righteous. Now, please hear me. Some of you Go to church. You may play in the band. You may sing. You may preach. You may be an elder or a deacon or a minister. Or you may just be somebody who goes and sits in the pew. But if you have not dealt honestly with your real condition before a holy God, and you go in assuming, I'm good to go, I'm all right, there's no problem here. then you're in trouble. You're in trouble. And I urge you to reconsider and take stock to begin to understand the holiness of God. This casual coming before a holy God must end. This coming in, and this is so typical, coming into the church house, laughing and joking, talking about every kind of thing in your life. The preacher stands up after the praise and worship and everybody's hyped and ready to go and hear this inspiring word that will comfort them in the midst of their sin. The pastor stands up and and tells you some joke or some interesting story and you'll be like at the Kennedy Center. Laugh a little, cry a little, go home and feel like, hey, that was a good service. He he was good. He was short today. No. 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 We've got to get down on our face before God. And deal honestly with where we come from. There's no, there's no bypassing this. There's no skipping it. We must come humbly before Almighty God and say to Him, Lord, I've sinned. And then there must be a careful look and an unveiling in our hearts. And then there must be honest prayer until the victory is granted to us and we know we are free of that sin. Don't tell me you can go to church and dance and prance around and holler and shout. And you're okay. You're good to go. You're not. You've believed the lie that you can be saved in the midst of your sin. Well, pastor, I don't know of any sin in my life. How close are you to God? How have you spent your time this week? Have you spent it reading the scriptures and searching after Jesus, or have you spent it, busily engaged in making money, looking at the entertainment of the world, going after your own desires and your, your own lust, giving yourself to the lust of your flesh, Somebody said to me, a listener, a dear listener, said to me, Ray, you look at the Internet, and yet you're saying stop looking at the Internet. You're saying stop watching the television. Stop. Cut these things off. Would you please be clear about what you mean? Yes, I will be very clear. For those of you who spend hours every day on the internet, you need to spend that time in the scripture and in the prayer closet. For those of you who spend your hours looking at your favorite TV shows, all you're doing is searing your mind so that you are not really interested in the depths of Jesus. They're not going to save you. Those shows are not going to save you. Some of you love to play your video games. They're not going to draw your heart to Jesus. They're going to lead you astray. It just doesn't work that way. I don't want you to be led astray. I want you to walk in Jesus. In the book of Romans, he says in verse 11, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under law, but under grace. Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It's not a covering for our sin. Now, I know many of you listening to this broadcast have become very serious about Jesus. I know because you've shared your testimonies. Please, may I say this? We have turned away from all known sin. And yet we are so far from Jesus. And so shallow in our faith in Jesus Christ. So I have two groups who listen. No, I have three groups who listen. One group, you're still walking and loving the lies of the American church that you can be saved in the midst of your sin. And if you don't change that, you will be lost. And I know some of the wonderful churches that we respect highly took the message of William Durham and the finished work and the position that many denominations have taken, that you can never have a totally clean heart and life before Jesus. That's a lie. It's one of the lies many churches have adopted. There is a second group of you who listen to this broadcast, and there we find you, men and women, who have utterly turned away from every known sin in your heart. John Bunyan, in the writing of Pilgrim's Progress, faced first the swamp of despond. He's on his way to the narrow gate and he falls into the swamp of despond. Well, what is the swamp of despond? It's all of the guilt that we carry. It's all of the accusations that we carry. It's all of the, and I don't want to create any of that false guilt for you. You're a serious follower of Jesus. I don't want to speak in any way that would cause you to fall into the swamp of despond and say, well, if Pastor Ray thinks he's still shallow before God, then I must be really shallow. No, we have to face what is without falling into despondency. There's a, a rock path across that swamp of despond. The Swamp of Despond is filled with all of the judgments and the condemnation. It's filled with all the self-doubts. He was helped out of the Swamp of Despond by help. And then, as he makes his way toward the narrow gate, the narrow path, He's met by Mr. Worldly Wise Man. Mr. Worldly Wise Man turns him from the path he's pursuing to the narrow gate and to the school of the Holy Spirit and instead directs him on a path to Mount Sinai and he almost dies. It's legalism. And in that legalism, he sees all of the rules, all of the do's and all of the don'ts. And surely if I can do everything right, then I'm going to be righteous before God. That's legalism. And Mount Sinai cannot offer you any help, only condemnation. Is the law evil? No, it's righteous. It's we who are evil. But Mount Sinai cannot help us escape the evil heart. It can only condemn us. Moses will only beat you for your sin. He cannot lift you up and forgive your sin. There is no forgiveness at Mount Sinai. And so you make your way from Mount Sinai where you are brought by evangelists back to the narrow path, and you're told, follow that narrow path. You have a a heavy burden on your back. You have to be very aware. Do you have a heavy burden on your back? We who have left all known sin, have to keep checking back and making sure that we have the peace of God in our heart and there is no heavy burden on our back. I have to do that. And I have to recognize if if I'm crossing again the swamp of despond, and in all honesty, You don't just cross the swamp of despond once. You cross it a number of times on this journey. Now you have to be honest with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. And as you make your way toward that narrow gate, the devil will shoot every possible arrow of condemnation and judgment at you. Every hard thing will come at you, but you've made a decision. You're leaving all your known sin. You're going to walk clean before God and you enter into that narrow gate, that suffering gate. Oh, please. I'm going to say it straight to you. The American church loves its lies because the American church knows nothing of the narrow gate. Life is a party. Church is a positive business. It's entertainment. It's friendships. It's going out to dinner. It's all the things we love. No. The narrow gate is a groaning gate. It is a suffering gate. And if you are going to truly follow Jesus and not follow the lies of the American church you are going to have to enter through that narrow gate. And the first place you go after you enter that narrow gate is you are directed to the school of the Holy Spirit, to the interpreter. And the Holy Spirit begins to do that work in your heart of exposing every unclean thing. And then your sin to the cross to be crucified with Christ. This journey is a suffering, groaning journey. Yes, it is joyful. I rejoice in my Lord Jesus Christ, but my flesh must be crucified every day. Now, am I bound by the old man of sin? No, I'm not. It's been destroyed in my heart by the power of the blood of Jesus. But the temptations still come. The deceptions still flow. And you've made a decision you're not going to walk in any known sin. But then you find yourself framing conversations with people in a condemning manner. You find yourself with your tongue bringing up things that somebody said in the past and now you bring it back to jab them so that they will back away from you and not be threatening to you. One of the most painful things that I endure as a Christian our brothers and sisters who want to bring up my my confessions of sin and cut me up with it. I've been very honest and very forthright with you. I have left my sin. But then I find brothers and sisters framing conversations that are condemning and judgmental and that hurt with expectations of what they need and what they want. Yesterday I was in the afternoon Struggling a bit with some doubts. Is God really going to do what He's promised me He would do? And I had to stop. And I had to repent. And I had to say, Lord, these doubts are not from you. You are a God who is holy, who is righteous. I come and humble my heart before you. I reject all doubt in my God, in my Savior. He is faithful. He is true. It is me I doubt. Now, please, please hear me. I'm not quite sure how to say this. I am a creature. I am created by God. I have lived most of my life under the law and under sin, condemned before God. I received the forgiveness of Jesus and my sins were washed away. But I have no basis for pride I have no basis for self-confidence. I have no basis to stand up and laugh and shout and, and talk like I'm somebody. I'm not anybody. I'm but a servant of Jesus. And so as you escape Mr. Worldly Wise Man in Mount Sinai and you recognize that you can't do enough to earn any salvation or any standing before God, then instead you have to surrender. You have to surrender. You have to turn and say, Jesus, these doubts I'm having in my heart, I don't want these. I reject them. My confidence is in Jesus. Do I have the victory? Yes, I have the victory, but it's not a victory of pride. It's not a victory of, hey, by, look at me. I'm okay. I got it made. I'm on my way. You need to be like me. No, 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 no. And please, may I say to you, there's nothing that deceives us as quickly as praise and worship music in our culture, in our church today, because almost everything in the praise and worship is a lie. It's false. It's not true. It does not reflect the humble repentance of a serious Christian. It represents the flesh and the devil with wonderful Christian words and no, come, come, come. We've believed the lies. The American church is full of lies and we must repent. And it even can touch those of us who have said we have left all known sin. We're walking clean before God. But then if we wander away, we stop reading the scriptures, we start filling our hearts with worldly entertainment, our hearts begin to grow cold again. When our concern is about money and power and being right, and correcting other people, we're in trouble. Because our hearts, we will leave our first love again. I mean, let me turn to it. In Revelation... In Revelation, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, I have found them false. You've persevered and you have endured hardship for my name. You've not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. In spite of all of the things you have done and all of the things you have endured, Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to come to your church and I'm going to take the lampstand out of it. I'm going to remove the Holy Spirit from you. Why? Because you've forsaken your first love for Jesus. And now you put up with the Nicolaians who are those who have believed the lie of Gnosticism. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. To him who overcomes. Wait a minute, I thought they'd overcome everything. No, they hadn't. They were still doing things that stole their intense love from their heart for Jesus. They have left their first love. Why? Because they have their own agenda. They have their own, their own favorite things that they like to do that have nothing to do with Jesus. If you're married, if you're married and you're at dinner with your wife or your husband and you are constantly on your cell phone, how will your spouse feel? I know how they'll feel. They'll feel like you don't really care. And the truth is, you don't really care. Come on, be honest. You don't really care about how they feel because you're taking them for granted. The modern church has loved the lies. But Jesus is saying that even those who have chosen to leave their sins have become indifferent to him and have lost their first love. Well, what kind of things did you do at first? You couldn't stop praying. Everywhere you went, you wanted to pray. When you met with people, you wanted to pray. Sometimes with those who call themselves Christians, I'll say to them, you don't want to pray? And they'll answer me, Pastor, always you want to pray. Yes, I want to pray. I want to talk to the one I love. And I want you to join me in talking with the one I love. That's why tomorrow we're going to have an hour of prayer. Sometimes I think we need to do an hour of prayer every day and forget about the teaching and preaching because you've had so much teaching and preaching that it rolls off your back like water off a duck's back. That's my fear. No, at first, when you came to Jesus, if you honestly dealt with your sin, you couldn't stop praying. You couldn't stop praising him, worshiping him. You wanted to fast because you wanted that time with him and you didn't want to be distracted by food. You didn't want to be distracted by the television or or novels or magazines You wanted Jesus. He was everything to you. But slowly that love and adder for Jesus fades away. If the flames are not continually fed. If there is not an absolute honesty. Now, please... If you're married and your marriage has become stale or you've become roommates and you really don't have much in the way of intimacy between you, can I tell you there's a very simple way to fix that? Make a decision that you will simply tell your spouse the truth about you and take responsibility for you. Uncover yourself. Allow yourself to be seen for who you really are. And your marriage will get real juicy real fast. Especially then when you invite your wife or your husband to share with with you what they really think. In all honesty, what do you really believe about this marriage and and where we're going and how we're doing? On a scale of 1 to 10, how close do you feel to me? Oh, maybe I guess maybe a five, a four, five, six. Well, what would it take to get to a ten? It takes some time to play together. It takes some time to just love each other, some time to just talk with each other, some time to just waste time with me. I I want you. I want time with you. Well, if you begin to get that honest with a husband or a wife, whoa, fireworks are going to begin to happen. Maybe some good ones and maybe some bad ones. Same with Jesus. You want intimacy with Jesus? Then get real with him. Get real with him about what you do and what you think and where you go and how you feel. No hiddenness with Jesus. total nakedness before him, uncovered. And then I pray that there are a third group of people who listen to this broadcast. And I pray that they're not self-righteous. But I pray that they're filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, clean before God, walking in no arrogance and no pride, walking in humility, a heart crying out before God for the lost and the dying, a heart crying out for for revival for the church, that Jesus would come and break the love of lies, See, how can you pray for the church if you don't admit that the church today is filled with lies? And in your prayer time, you need to identify those lies and ask that they be broken. We're going to do that tomorrow. I'm going to do that. And you're welcome to join me from 1 to 2 o'clock, Eastern Standard Time. Now, please, I'm very concerned today. I'm concerned about the lies that the church has believed, and I'm concerned about the uncleanness of the church. I'm also concerned about I'm also concerned about those of you who have left all known sin but still find yourself framing arguments and questions and finding yourself being, should I put it, difficult for other people. Being contrary. I guess that's the word. There's nothing so ugly as a Christian who believes they're not walking in sin to become contrary with other people, with no humility of heart, with no... See, I I come and I try in every way to speak the truth to you, but I don't want to come and speak the truth to you in any sense of condemnation or pride or arrogance. I want you to love Jesus, and I want you to be filled with his spirit. Lord Jesus, I just come to you pleading for your blood to cover every person listening today, binding up every pain and sickness, turning our hearts toward you, Jesus, in love and praise and worship. I ask that you would expose every lie of the American church, that you would uncover it in all of its ugliness, and that you would send forth your Holy Spirit to bring great conviction of sin. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel, I want to invite you to come on Sunday to the National Prayer Chapel. It's a house church. We're, we're not somebody big and important. I want to invite you to come if you're in the Washington metro area. People drive from, from Woodbridge. They also drive from Rockville or Gaithersburg. They come from all over. Manassas. I invite you to come. If you're serious about Jesus and if you're serious about walking with him, then I invite you to come. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com nationalprayerchapel.com You can give online and thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Those of you who are faithful and walking with me, who've left your sin and who support this broadcast so that we can continue this work of the gospel i couldn't do it without you i know it's jesus only jesus could prompt you to give the way you're giving thank you and god bless you so you can give online at nationalprayerchapel.com and also i'd love to hear from you i I have letters. I may read some tomorrow. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. 195 Well I'm Pastor Ray Thank you for listening today I pray that you love Jesus I pray that your heart is utterly given over to him That you are not a part of the world The flesh or the devil but you are one of the saints waiting on the coming of Jesus. And your heart is filled with ardent love and, and passion for Jesus. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'd love to meet you in person. Call tomorrow and pray with us. I'll talk to you soon.